This is Rivalries, the show where we meet fans from rival clubs. Aston Villa take on Manchester City this weekend. So who better to speak to about what Villa should expect at the Etihad than David Mooney, who runs the award-winning Blue Moon podcast. It's great to have you on again, David. Uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, that award took me... I, I'm a bit, little bit nervous about the news about City recently because I, yeah. I saw the uh, the Premier League uh, punishments if City are found guilty is that they could... Uh, uh, it, it was any punishment the panel deems necessary. And I'm just worried they're going to take that award off me now. It took, <laughs> it took me eight years to get that award. I'm not uh, I'm not going to let go of it that easily. Eight years and <laughs> clawing and scraping. You got there in the end and then the bloody Premier League was going to be taken. Yeah. But- um, now, obviously, there has been that major news involving City today, and uh, we will touch on that later. Well, we'll, we'll go a bit more in depth on that later. Uh, but first of all, we'll focus on Villa City uh, this weekend. So, um, so David, you know, what are you expecting from Aston Villa? Um, I'm expecting a bloody good game, to be honest with you. Um, you've, I, I, I wish he still had Steven Gerrard in charge. Basically, I think <laughs> yeah. um, you've looked oh, you, you've looked you've looked a lot more competent, competent since uh, since uh, you've made the change. And yeah. um, I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of uh, kind of feelings towards Unai Emery when he was at Arsenal and kind of what he's done since. Um, but and, and I did think actually weirdly it was a bit of a bit of a risk to appoint him because it like I never kind of got the impression that. <laughs> He was the sort of manager that would get you out of trouble, if you know what I mean. I thought you mm. were in trouble earlier in the season, um, but he's proved me wrong. He's been great, and he's like I think the fact that you are, I mean, like comfortably mid-table after a, a, like a, what is it, a couple of months that he's been in charge now. Mm. It's I, I think it, it it speaks wonders for the job that he was doing because I thought I, I thought you were you were in real trouble earlier in this season, um, and it, it just doesn't look the way at all. I, I must confess I've not seen a lot of you um, this season in the uh, kind of other than the game that you played against City. Mm. Um, but from what I like, from just looking at the results and from what I've seen from highlights and stuff on match of the day and whatnot, it like you, you seem to be a lot more solid defensively and you seem to be uh, kind of have a bit more of a plan than you used to have. And that, yeah. that kind of concerns me, especially with the way City are playing at the moment. Yeah, um, I think Villa for sure. In the, in the Gerard era, it was, um, it was like that meme in The Simpsons where that. Defenders just pass pass it back and forth each other <laughs> over and over again, and then Springfield riots. And believe me, I nearly rioted myself watching Villa play under <laughs> Gerard. Um, and Unai Emery has been a complete breath of fresh air. And there is, as you say, a plan. It feels like every game there's a he has an idea and a plan. And it, you know, um, mo- for most part, it's it's worked. Um, but there's been one or two occasions in home games where we've um, been caught on the counter attack. Uh, so that's something that he'll definitely want to work on. But away from home is where I. I find Villa quite intriguing because we've been playing very well away. You know, beat Southampton uh, 1-0, but also beat Tottenham 2-0 uh, on the yeah. first day of t- the year. T- t- tough place to go, that. <laughs> yeah, uh, as Man City, for some reason, keep finding. You, you beat yeah. everyone except <laughs> them. Um, so, yeah, we, we went we won 2-0 there and we, uh, we, we were just very um, comfortable defensively. And I, I think that as a tactician, Unai Emery, maybe his style will really suit away games and... Um, that's why I'm sort of quite intrigued by the City game because normally I'm very, you know, I've been on your podcast and every time I've done a prediction, I've always <laughs> referred back to, you know, nightmares of the past. Um, yeah. uh, but I I am slightly inter- interested to see this weekend given City's current form and Villa's yeah. away form. 
Yeah, I'm I, I'm pretty much the same, except not really that. I, I'm I'm not finding it interesting. I'm finding it a little bit more, um, well, a, a little bit scary in many senses mm. because um, City are just not in good form right now. They yeah. the number of of games where they've played, and you go, well, it's just a bit, it's just a bit boring. Um, like they they should be good enough to be to be passing the ball around and and, and creating opportunities for uh, the likes of Haaland and and Alvarez, but the mm. number of times where City have just had the ball in threatening positions in in the final third, like off the top of my head, I'm really struggling to find to like to to, to pick them out. Like yeah. take the game take the game at weekend against Spurs, and yeah, okay, there's the whole curse of Spurs away and all that sort of stuff for City, but. You know, the, the opening 20 minutes aside, I mean, I'm not even sure it was it was that long, maybe opening 15 minutes. So up until Kane scored, the, the City were on top until yeah. they gifted Harry Kane the goal. And then after that, you just thought, well, that, this is this game done. They're just not, they're, they're not in a position to be able to to, to create something worthwhile. And then yeah. the best chance they had, Mares hit the underside of the bar from um, a, cross got, a, a cross was played into the box. It was flicked on uh, by one of the defenders, landed to him at the back post. He took a bit of a snapshot and, and hit the bar. And that, that was that was about the best they could muster. Yeah. Um, and I, I there, there's a lot of problems with City this season. Uh, not least they haven't got any fullbacks, but uh, and then they've they they didn't have any left backs, and then and the only player that could really play left back they let go in January because he he was just not. He, Cancelo was Guardiola has this thing where he's he's kind of like no bad faces, and mm-hmm. um, if if you're not kind of fighting for the group and you're not part of the group, then he doesn't really want you there, whether whether they need you there or not. Yeah. Um, and it's why City's attitude for for transfers has always been: if you want to leave, then you can go. There's no, um, we're not going to stand in your way. Mm-hmm. But you just got to bring us an offer that we deem acceptable. And Cancelo was exactly the same as that. It was, it was. He wanted to leave. He brought an offer that that City deemed acceptable, alone for the first uh, for the for the next um, half of the season, and then with an option to buy from from Bayern Munich. And and they were like, yeah, okay, fine. You want to leave? Off you go. We'd rather have people here who, who want to be here. The problem is, is it leaves City with one senior fullback in Kyle Walker, yeah. um, one centre half who has been playing pretty well at left back in Nathan Ake, mm-hmm. and then after that, you've got Rico Lewis, who's a youngster that's coming through at the moment and has been good, but looked eighteen in the last few games and has looked yeah. kind of like he's still learning on the job, which he is, and. It, Kind of when you're in the situation that City are in at the moment, and you're in a bit of a funk, and you're kind of trying to kind of work your way out of it, the last thing you really want to do is get rid of any assets that might help you get out of it. And I mean, I mean, Cancelo, in fairness, has not had a good season, and is not not one of the players that I would expect to suddenly like be part of a team that put a winning run of 14 games together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, just in terms of personnel, it feels like like City are a bit lopsided at the minute. They've got no fullbacks. They've got five centre halves. Um, and they, Erling Haaland is scoring goals, but mm. City's, City's system is not working in the same way as it has done in previous seasons. So he's, in many ways, he's scoring goals in spite of the system rather than because of it. And City haven't quite worked out how to how to kind of make the system work alongside him right now. So when I, I guess kind of notwithstanding any punishments from the Premier League for future seasons. Yeah. I guess the um, the kind of the plan is for the remainder of this season, work out what the hell to do with this with this setup and work out a way to to integrate Haaland into the team to get the best out of him and the other players as well. Because at the minute, they're only really getting the best out of him in in moments rather than in getting kind of whole performances. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting sort of two points made there, you know, um, the fullback situation where you look at the Zinchenko sale to Arsenal, and that was a player at the time, but I've, I've always really rated him just for his versatility. Mm. Um, <laughs> amazingly, Zinchenko sale could end up being such a bonus for Arsenal. And then you say, you know, for, for City themselves, you know, you're quite lopsided. I wonder if that actually could end up being a title-defining um Move, yeah, really. it, it, it could be, but again, like he was one of those players he wanted to leave. It, right. There was no guarantee that he would play football at City. I mean, and in fact, um, the criticism that I have of City from that sale is not selling Zinchenko, it's it's not getting a left back in. They've needed a left back now since about 2016, and they've right. they've still they've still not signed one. I mean, they they signed Benjamin Mendy, who you know, we all know the story around Benjamin Mendy yeah. currently. Um and other than that, they have not signed a single left back. So mm. you kind of go in if if your situation demands that you need a left back, and they have done that, they've they've needed one for for years on end. Then, like maybe go out and make it a priority. Maybe you should be looking at, at, at various different options to go out and get that sorted. They signed Sergio Gomez last summer, who uh, from Anderlecht, who is an attacking midfielder turned left back, very much in the Zinchenko mold. Right. And he's come in for two or three games this season and looked completely out of his depth. And it's like, well, right, of course well. he has, because he's an attacking midfielder playing at left back. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just it's. I mean, I, I feel like I'm banging my head on a brick wall, here, like just trying to <laughs> trying to get the message through to the club that actually. You know, maybe you should sort this out. And the yeah. irony, of course, now is that if the if City are found guilty by the Premier League of of these breaches and and a transfer embargo is imposed upon them, could, could be another three years before we see a left back at the club. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, actually, something uh, Jamie Carragher said after the and his, I assume most City fans are aware of it is after the Tottenham game that he mentioned that he thinks Erling Haaland perhaps picked to the wrong club. Um, you know. It's a debatable claim, but what? How do you react to that? Yeah, I just think it's. I, I don't want to swear, um, but I. I just think it's rubbish um, right. because uh, nobody, no, nobody expected Erling Haaland to walk into this city team and things to be perfect. Because yeah. the, the the whole problem, and without kind of being all woe is me, because I accept it's a it's like first world problems to have. <laughs> But the whole problem was for the last two years, City have played without a de facto striker. They've had Jesus, they had Jesus, who you know has done well for Arsenal. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm I'm again seeing Arsenal fans now. I mean, he's been injured the last few months, but like, I've seen Arsenal fans before his injury talking with the very same criticisms that City had of him, which was right. that you know he, he works hard for the team, just maybe should score a bit more than he does for a centre forward. Yeah. And yeah, it's fine. That's how at City ended up moving out to the to the wing and being a wide player because it was a it was a case of he ain't scoring enough to be the centre forward. So we need to find a system that creates goals from the rest of the team. And that mm. system was the false nine setup that they used for the last two years, um, where they had a year where Aguero was pretty much injured throughout, mm. um, and then a year where where they didn't have a a striker as such, and. Yeah, it was a, it was an ingenious solution to the problem that City had there. But their their way of doing it was to control games to to within an inch of their life. They would yeah. they they would pass and pass and pass. And Guardiola kept talking about having a game where he needed a thousand million passes and and like just <laughs> constantly sapping the opposition of any sort of control in the game, forcing yeah. them back and back and back. And eventually, you'll get your chance to score. And 
I, I get it from neutral's point of view, the number of times where neutrals would say City were quite boring to watch. And I, and I get it because what, what City did was they controlled the ball. They took more possession than they used to have previously. They already had a lot of possession previously. Mm-hmm. But you'd be looking at game, games most week where, where City would be looking at, uh, at like 80-odd percent possession. And they'd knock it around, knock it around, knock it around, eventually work an opening and, and, and somebody would score. And that control is what they still want to do. They still want to try and play that way. But now they've taken a man out of the, of the middle and put in a centre forward. And suddenly they, they have one fewer players in the centre of the pitch to try and control a game. And opposition, and I think Villa did it at Villa Park. I think Newcastle did it at uh, St. James's Park pretty well. And then in the last few weeks, I mean, Southampton did it at St. Mary's, United did it at Old Trafford. Uh, Spurs did it very well um, in in the game on the weekend. They looked at City and went, "There's space in the middle. So let's mm-hmm. if we if we put more players in the middle and, and maybe we don't sit back like we used to do and uh, and try and soak up City's pressure. Maybe we try and put them under pressure in these areas. Then City don't have control of this game. And yeah, they've got excellent players, but City don't like basketball games. They don't like no. you attack, we attack, you attack, we attack because they're yeah. vulnerable to that." And that's been the issue in the last few weeks. City have ended up having having more basketball games than not. And you kind of fold that into the, the secondary issue. The City just aren't creating decent chances at the moment. So the sort of you attack, we attack becomes, okay, you have a really, really good chance on the counter-attack. And then we keep the ball for 10 minutes and try and work an opening that ends up breaking down. And then you counter-attack again. Yeah. And that just, it, it's, it, it's left City really, really vulnerable. And... I'm not quite sure, kind of, like, the answer is there in the setup. There must be a way to have Erling Haaland or Julian Alvarez, a striker, someone in that centre-forward role, without having them to come in and be a false nine and also have the control in the middle. And just, Guardiola's not quite figured that out yet. And in the last few weeks, he's been trying to figure it out in a team that's just been in a bit of a a bad mood and a bit of a funk as well. And it's just kind of all spiralled in the last kind of six weeks or so where it, it, it's it's felt like the season has, un, has unraveled a bit. I mean, it's not. They're currently still sitting in second and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they'll they'll do all right. But it's just <laughs> like, yeah. I, I am still expecting... I've just been expecting City to go on one of their sort of mad sort of 15-game winning streaks at yeah, some point. It, but... it, it won't happen. I don't think it'll happen this season. Right. Uh, I think I think the issues... City's season feels very much like the, the 1920 season when Liverpool won the title, where... <laughs> Like City are City are still a good team. They're a good team that will beat most, that will win most weeks. But yeah. they're playing at probably ninety eight percent capacity instead of a hundred percent capacity. And yeah. that little two percent drop off, what it does is it means that every now and then a team that they should beat in a in a game that they should win, they turn up and they just kind of they stink the place out for an hour or they stink the yeah. place out for, for 90 minutes and, and they maybe get a draw or they maybe, they maybe lose the, lose the game. And you think back to that 1920 season, you, we, we kept saying like city were the top scorers that season. They mm. had the, they had the most clean sheets and yet they were still what 18 points off Liverpool at the top of the table. Crazy, so the, 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 there was a, clearly something not there. And what it, what it, what it boiled down to was they would batter Watford eight nil and that would be great, but then they lose two nil to Wolves the next week, and so like yeah. it doesn't doesn't really like that. There was a, there was an issue that had not been solved, and that's the set that I'm getting the same feeling from this season. So the people that like I was watching the Spurs game on TV at the weekend, uh, and Neville and Carragher were were consistently saying 
things like you expect that City can just flick a switch and, and things will be all right. Yeah. Or you expect them to go on this sort of winning run. And I'm just like, you haven't been paying attention because that isn't happening this season. That's not that that's that's the sort of thing that happens to City when things are when the system is working. Yeah, they might get the odd bad result here and there, but the system is working and 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 the the setup is right. It just doesn't feel that way this season, and that's the problem. So yeah. you get to Villa at the weekend. It, it is it is perfectly plausible that City stick four past Villa at the weekend and win the, and win the game really comfortably. Yeah. Equally, it's perfectly plausible that that Villa turn up at the Etihad, win two 0 and everyone goes, weren't Villa? good because like it just yeah. like the, the seesaw you just don't know where which way the seesaw is going to land at the moment and that's that's down to city just not having any consistency and it all it needs is it used to need the opposition to be nearly perfect to win the game and i don't think you need that this season to beat city all villa no filler on youtube twitter facebook and instagram that's interesting so it sounds a little bit like Haaland has maybe his signing has sort of changed the system and maybe City are going through a development process. It is, yeah, yeah. I I, right. I I think that I think exactly that. I think it's it's one of the things that I think um were it not Erling Haaland, you'd probably have a striker there now who who is sitting on, I don't know. Eight goals, nine goals, ten goals for the season, and everyone would be going, "God, he's not—he's not doing really well at City, is he?" Mm. But because Haaland's broken the Golden Boot record for however many seasons already, you yeah. kind of it, like it papers over the the problems that City have of actually Haaland has been brilliant. Everybody else has has kind of had to change their role a little bit, and we've not quite worked out how to do it yet. Um, and like, I've got full confidence that they will work it out. Uh, but I kind of feel like it's 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 not going to click this season, um, and I think they kind of need they. Uh, I liken it to that nineteen twenty season and that sixteen seventeen season. I think they they just need um, a kind of a few months trying a few things, maybe getting a few things wrong here and there, but finding out what works and what doesn't work, and kind of how they want to play next season, and then we kind of take it from there. Okay, well, one player I also have to ask you about, of course is a, a player very close <laughs> to the heart of many Villa fans, uh, Jack Grealish. Uh, from what I can see, um, obviously he's been, you know, I, I would argue his first season was quite inconsistent with City as he got used to playing there, which I think, to be honest, most people probably expected to happen. Yeah. Um, but second season, it feels like in recent games that I've watched, and, you know, I watched the Spurs game at the weekend, he seemed like one of your better players. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, and Guardiola trusts him as well now, uh, yeah. which is which is a big thing. So again, this this idea. So City fans, a lot of City fans are complaining that um, they want to they want to go back to what City used to, did in especially 2017, 18, and a little bit of 18, 19. And that's get two wide players really, really wide and get pace in behind. And you've got Haaland now, so why not play? The, the, the traditional one was uh, Sane on the left, Sterling on the right, and then Aguero through the middle. Mm-hmm. And if you've got if you've got Haaland effectively playing Aguero, then why not have two wide players who are going to get down the line and really kind of stretch the pitch at the top? end Guardiola hasn't gone for that at all in like it's been well it's been since 2018 so what four and a half years that he's that he just hasn't he hasn't done that um and now his go-tos are Grealish on the left and Mares on the right with the idea that they will both cut inside and 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 keep the ball he's he wants players that will control games and will know when they need to hold on to the ball and when they need to move it on and actually for 
for what you'll remember Grealish being at, at Villa as someone who will pick up the ball and drive at opposition and be really exciting like that. doesn't really do that for City anymore. And he doesn't really no, kind of, that, that's not part of his game at all. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see how he has developed into that, in, into that sort of role. My my image of Grealish when he's driving tends to be across the face of goal, across the face of the box now. Um, mm. And that's that's largely because every time he picks the ball, he's got two or three men on him and he's got two or three men to try and beat. And <laughs> I mean, Spurs were quite happy to give him a good kick in and most teams are quite happy to give him a good kick in. And, you know, he's he, he takes it, I mean as well as anybody taking a good kick and could take it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. like, I, I think there's, I, so there's an element of, I think City fans, I think there are some City fans who want to see more from him because yeah. they remember that Grealish at Villa used to do what he did for Villa and, and, and would steam through. Um, and they also remember what Sterling did at City and, and what Sane did at City and uh, and real kind of get down the line and get decent balls into the box, arrive at the back post and, and, and score the tap-ins. And the truth is that isn't going to happen because City don't play like that anymore, and they haven't played like that for some time. The entire the entire way City won titles in in lockdown and the kind of twenty twenty one and twenty two titles was by controlling games. As I, as I said before, they were they they just strangled games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grealish and Mares are the players that are doing that for them right now, and Guardiola likes that, so that's how it's going to be. Um, whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing, um, I think I think there's plenty of City fans who who don't like watching City play that way. Um, but Guardiola's I, everything comes back round to that control, and I think I think it's games like the Real Madrid game last season that really really stung him for this because yeah. the the question of the Real Madrid game was City should never ever ever have been in a position where two late goals would knock them out of the tie. They were, and. Ultimately, they were still in full control of that tie until the 91st minute. They lost control of it for two minutes, conceded twice and were out. Mm. And Guardiola's answer to what happens when you lose control for two minutes is you get knocked out. It's not, okay, well, let's let's have less control and more flair. It's let's have more control. And that's what that's what Grealish is doing at the moment for City. And, uh, I mean, I'm slightly fearful because I don't really feel like Grealish has properly played against Villa yet, actually. Um, or the three games he's played whilst at City against Villa, I feel like he missed two of them. And I think he I can't, I can't remember last season. He, he, he missed he missed the last day last season because I thought he was really unlucky to miss the last day. Yeah, he did, yeah. Because um, he played really well. He basically rescued City a point at West Ham uh, yeah, the, the week the before. Volley. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so I thought that might have been enough to get him a start for the final game, or at least get him some time off the bench. But obviously, the way that game went, it was it was a it was a, it was Guardiola going, oh well, I need to I need to sort this mess out. And by the time he'd <laughs> yeah. done it, he'd, he'd used all of his subs. Yeah. Um, so I felt I felt sorry for him on that day. I don't remember if he played at Villa Park earlier in the season. I think he came on. He didn't came, he? Yeah, he came on briefly. Um, yeah, didn't really do. I, there were very memorable chants from the Villa fans of Villa till I die and all that. Yeah, um, and then then I think the year before, I think he came on as well because I because I, I think the year before we, we I think we were winning 2-1 and he brought him on with it for like 10 minutes and I was just like why are you doing this why are you giving the Villa fans something to read like to boost the atmosphere you want to kill this game yeah. don't don't like don't like chuck a match into the cinder box yeah. for goodness sake yeah throw the throw that grenade yeah. in yeah <laughs> um well um well David uh you know it, how, how do you think uh Villa can hurt City this weekend. Where is it that you seem to think that City are most vulnerable at the moment? Um, don't give don't give away any easy chances. That's as simple as that right now. Uh, because the way City are playing, if you are if you're able to press them in, um, uh, 
not really high areas because if you if you kind of if you really step out and you start trying to press them in kind of like their own box and stuff they will find a way to pass it around you and get in get in the space behind this you kind of want to kind of half press in that sense and you want to press kind of more on the halfway line and sort of get around Rodri and stop him being able to to find an out ball yeah. um because he's been he's had a little bit of a dip of form lately and obviously he gave away the he Played the yeah. hospital pass into into Lewis for uh, for Kane to score at the weekend, um, but if you can if you can really smartly kind of cut out his passing avenues and City don't really have a way through, you get an option to either nick the ball there and and set up a counter attack, or City play it too quickly and you can win the ball back and hit them on the transition. City are not great in the transitions at the moment, right. um, so I like if I was if I was Emery, I certainly wouldn't sit back and sit deep and and go right okay you have the ball we'll try and hit you on the counter attack. I, I I think City are not really in a position where they're creating that much at the moment, and they're not really kind of being as as there are time. There used to be a time when you'd watch City and you'd think, "Goodness me!" Every time they get the ball, it's a hot knife through butter. <laughs> I, I I haven't yeah. seen that for a while from City. I've not seen that. Yeah. There's maybe been one or two times this season where they've where they've done that, and more often than not, it's been a little bit of a case of we really have to work to create a chance. So don't give away anything stupid. Don't, right. don't, don't kind of like, uh, like Wolves, uh, when they came to the Etihad a few weeks ago, um, Jose Sarr just passed it to Mares for him to square for Haaland. It's like, don't right, do that. Yeah. That's, that, that's yeah. just a ridiculous way to get beaten. Um, because if you are compact and you are tidy and you are tight, and you are able to put City under a little bit of pressure in the midfield, you will cause them problems this season. I would expect City to still have something in the tank to be able to deal with that. Um, they dealt with it when Brighton tried to do it earlier in the season. They they dealt with it in the League Cup against Arsenal recently. Um, but they're not comfortable games for City, those sorts of games. The games that are comfortable are the ones where the opposition sit back and and, and just try and cut out um, cut out space. And yeah, okay, it got Everton a point um, on, on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, can't remember. Um, but more often than not, it doesn't get a team a point because it took Everton a wonder goal to equalise. And more often than not, that finishes with a 1-0 City win and everyone comes out on the ground going, God, that was hard work, but they got the job done. Yeah. And... Like if if you like Brentford, for instance, came and di- they didn't sit deep and and tried to cut out the space. They put City under pressure in the midfield. Lo and behold, they scored twice on the transition, and right. it, it it works. Uh, Fulham got uh, got themselves a penalty by uh, again exploiting a transition, getting Cancelo sent off, and and City not got lucky, but like they worked hard because they worked hard that game but like more often than not they don't they don't get that late winner so it, it, it's it's just don't don't do anything stupid basically <laughs> easier said than done <laughs> um, uh, yeah uh, well it could be a big day in the middle for uh, Bubakar Kamara and Douglas Louise former city man of course and mm. Bubakar Kamara who um I guess outside of Villa fans he's been absolutely sensational he had a Made a couple of mistakes. The first four, first poor game for Villa really at the weekend uh, against uh, Leicester. But he's just been an absolutely sensational player for us so far. Um, so I'd be interested to see how he gets on at City. Uh, and him and Douglas Louise worked so well together away at Tottenham. So that, that'll be... I mean, I'm intrigued to see how they both get on against City and also how we potentially hit you kind of on the counter with a bit of pace in behind. And Leon Bailey, one of the world's most in- inconsistent players. But if he turns up on the day, you, you never quite <laughs> know. He might do something. I mean, he scored against City uh, uh, at Villa Park. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, David, uh, what I've got to ask you, what's your prediction for this weekend? 
I honestly don't know right now. Um, it's it's a really hard one to call because I don't think, like I said, I don't think City are playing well, and I don't think they. I, if they if they turn up and they and they turn up and and play well, it it still could be a really difficult game for mm. for the way that they've the, the the kind of the confidence that's in the squad at the moment. I mean, just touching on the fullbacks again. The way that one of the ways Guardiola's been trying to get control of games is by having well, it was Kyle Walker and Jao Cancelo earlier in the season. It's now Kyle Walker and Rico Lewis or Nathan Ake tucking in alongside Rodri and making a, a like a, a, a three in front of the two centre backs. And yeah, while that works in principle, the number of times it just kind of hasn't really given City the control that they need is is is, is starting to increase quite a lot. And yeah, I don't see any other way to to kind of get into it. And I, I fully expect him to do that again. It could well mean that Rico Lewis is the 18-year-old kid who is a right-back that's having to play left-back because he's coming inside into midfield again. And that's like that's a lot of responsibility to put on an 18-year-old's shoulders. So when you come to predict it, if, if Villa get a couple of turnovers in there, it could quite easily be a 2-0 Villa win. It could be a 2-1 Villa win. Uh, you, uh, equally, if City are able to control all of that and uh, and every player is on the game and they bounce back from the Spurs result, could easily be a two 0 City win. So I like I I don't know. Um, my gut instinct says that City can't keep being as bad as they have been lately, and it, that like the funk has to to turn around at some point. Yeah. And maybe with the news this week as well that uh, 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 like the off the pitch stuff might might spur them on a little bit more. I don't know. Um, but equally, it could it could it's one of those intangibles that could have the complete opposite effect. <laughs> yeah, and the season yeah. just capitulates from here. So I don't know. I I will say in the interest of um being and actually sounding like a City fan because I appreciate what I've said over the last half an hour or so suggests that I might not actually be one um <laughs> but but i am uh, i will say in the interest of that 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 city normally have a good game especially at home against villa so um notwithstanding the last day of last season where they really made hard work of it yeah. um we'll we'll go for a we'll go for a 3-1 city win um although like genuinely roll the dice and see what you get because that could be your answer that's my exact prediction as well uh 3-1 i think um but yeah yeah i'm still i'm very intrigued to just see how uh how villa do uh away uh, at city it's uh it's an it's an interesting time at Villa, I think, for once after uh, mm. what's been a very bleak year under under Gerard. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, you mentioned it just there, and I have to ask you, of course, you know, that today Manchester City were charged by the Premier League for breaking more than a hundred of the league's financial rules. It's been reported the club could face sanctions like a points deduction or even relegation. Now, um, you know, it's it's not really on fans to try to explain the whole situation, yeah. but are you able to give you a kind of thoughts on the whole situation yeah it's a uh, like and i appreciate this is going to win me no friends either with city fans or with opposition fans so i appreciate that whatever i say here now i just i i I, i'm gonna get grief but um i don't really care i don't really care that much uh, about what city have have been alleged to been doing because they've ultimately if they are guilty what they have done is they have they have spent more money than they should have done um and They've spent more money than they should have done from rules that were introduced just after City were taken over to stop them spending more money than they should have done. And it's like I, I like Chelsea probably set the ball rolling with the uh, with Abramovich's takeover yeah, in what two thousand and four ish. Can't really remember, but it like it, that it was obvious where things were going at that point. And then City get taken over, and you know within a few years you've got rules about 
how much owners can put in the money. Uh, fine, I don't like City have signed up to the rules, so they've got to play by the rules. It's not like like I'm I, I'm not I don't say that as as someone to exonerate what City have done. If they are guilty and they are found to be guilty, then yeah, chuck the book at them. I don't I, I'm not really that like like you can't have a you can't have a game that is governed by a set of laws and then just will just break them because you don't really agree with them um mm-hmm. and because i don't agree with them doesn't mean that city should just be able to get away with it i get that um but like whatever the outcome is if it's points deduction fine if it's if it's relegation fine i'm like it's if they if they are found to have done it and they are like red-handed and they've been and and they're caught then yeah, I'll 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 still be a City fan, whatever happens, and I'll still do podcasts about City. I mean, I was joking before on Twitter, um, like because my partner said my, my partner had tweeted a, like an, an out of context quote of what I'd said. I'd said earlier, uh, Blue Moon Podcast is bigger than Manchester City, and what I mean by that is. <laughs> Um, like if, if it turns out that whatever the punishment comes in here, that city is wound up, just yeah. you stop me making podcasts about this football club. <laughs> this club doesn't need to exist for me to for me to talk about them. So yeah. uh, I, I will keep going, come what may. Um, so like even like even if it ends up City in the Championship or City and City end up in League Two and they've had to sell all the players, like I'm still going to be there because what yeah. a football club is is its fans and its fan base and its supporters and it's all my mates who I go to the game with. It's it, it's yeah. all of that. It's not who runs the club and and kind of what mismanagement has been done here or there to end up with this situation. Now don't get me wrong, if City are found guilty of all of this and and um, they do face steep punishments, then I will be angry at them and I will be, I'll be annoyed that I'll, I'll be annoyed both that they did it and that they got caught. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I think if you're, if you're going to cook the books and this, this is something that we still have to find out if city have done, I'm being very, very legally careful here yes, not to, not, not to that, prejudge the outcome. Is allegations, um, yeah. yeah. But if it's found that city have cooked the books, then I, I kind of think, well, eh, do you know what I mean? I don't like. I, it's not. It's it's rich people doing rich people things that I'm not really <laughs> um, kind of privy to. It it doesn't affect my life in one way or the other. I'll still go to the football and I'll still kind of see me mates and stuff. Um, so so yeah, I I do. I, I think I, I think it's. I would like opposition fans to kind of be aware of what City have done here as well, or alleged to have done, um, because I like. Whether City have paid Roberto Mancini too much money or more money than they said they were doing, like I don't really think that that impacts what happened on the pitch that much. Now I get again that you have to play by the rules that have been set and you can't overspend and all that sort of stuff. Um, but overpaying your players by having you know things that go on behind the scenes. Like it's not fielding an extra man. It's not like it, it's not cheating with drugs to make your players better. Like like there are serious things you can do that impact games. Um, I don't think that financially declare. I, I don't think that declaring finances that you haven't earned or that have been pumped in by the owner is as massive a deal as. I, I, it is. It's a big deal, but it's not a. It's not a kind of like a game changing deal in that sense. I think what it does is it it kind of pisses off the fans of teams like Aston Villa, for instance, who who have looked at the situation in the Premier League and gone, well, we've been playing by the rules and 
we ain't ever going to get to be title contenders because we ain't ever going to earn enough money to be able to do it. And the only way we can do it is by having a rich owner come in and pump a load of money in. And now we can't do that, but you decided you were going to do it anyway. I get that. And I get the anger from that. And that's why I think City should be punished if they are found guilty, because it's it, it's unfair on other teams who have who were in the same position City were in a few years ago. Yeah, well, if you're relegated, you know, you can go back to the glory days of the Gillingham playoff <laughs> yeah, final. Je- yeah, yeah, well, I, th- yeah. this is it. I, I said earlier as well, I, I just hope that it's not to kind of League Two or League One because <laughs> uh, I wrote a book about that Gillingham game in uh, from, from what is now League One. And I was just like, the last thing I want is, is for my book about the only season in the third tier to no longer be about the only season in the third tier. Like, like, it, yeah. it absolutely ruins me that if they, if they, if they, uh, if they stick them down there. But I don't know. It's like we'll see what happens i'm i'm yeah. kind of case sarah sarah about it like whatever will be will be and um i will i'll still support city whether they've got kevin de bruyne or whether they've got you know kevin i don't know smith from fallowfield up front and the the sort of uh, working that out i don't know so well, i i i guess like i i and like i say i get that it sounds from opposition fans like like i i won't defend the club for for um for breaching the rules if they have done that and equally i won't i i just i don't really care that much if they have done it um they, they you have done it you face the punishment then we kind of go on from there see what happens it's like yeah mm. eh, football the world will still go on football will still carry on and you know i'll still get annoyed about results so well you know if if city is stripped of trophies and villa get that carabao cup trophy <laughs> that final we lost to tell you i'll be straight up to birmingham for the open top bus parade just yeah i see <laughs> i i i do wonder the, the one thing that would sour the taste is is uh is being stripped of trophies because they're moments that we had as fans and like i i guess that's that's the kind of the the would be the bitter pill to swallow i guess it would be the worst thing but like the rest of it yeah just whatever happens happens it is well, what it is I can't, I can't, I can't control what they've spent, and if they've, if they've, if they've overspent, then you know it's on them to to defend themselves. I won't do it for them. Well, David, uh, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, and it's always brilliant to talk to you. You're very informed and uh, just a good, good person to listen to about about football <laughs> and Manchester City. I don't um, know. I can ramble. <laughs> <laughs> can't we all? Can't we all? I listen back to myself, and I'm like, bloody hell! How long did I? <laughs> what was talking about? But um, but yeah. Um, so, David, just before you go, uh, can you just let us know where we can find you? Uh, online yeah i'm i'm unimaginative so i'm at david mooney on twitter uh i'm also at blue moon podcast uh if anybody cares about the about listening to a, a city podcast from a villa point of view then go and have a look at go and have a look at that uh yeah just search blue moon podcast you'll find me somewhere brilliant well thank you very much again for coming on david anytime time.